listening to the Writerly Bites podcast, where you'll get bite-sized tips for making your writing and your writing life better. I'm Blair Hurley, and I'm a novelist and creative writing instructor. You can find more about me and my forthcoming novel, Minor Profits, at BlairHurley.com and on Twitter at bhurley. You can follow news about the podcast on Twitter at Writerly Bites. This week, I wanted to do something a little bit different with the week's writing tip. I wanted to explore the concept of experimental fiction, which is such a broad category, I know. But I wrote something a little while back about my thoughts about how experimental fiction works and why it can be so thrilling if we are willing to explore its thorny thickets. So I'll talk a little bit about what I found thrilling about a a recent experimental fiction work. Experimental fiction has been in crisis ever since the first portmanteau of Finnegan's Wake threw its hat into the ring. For those who thrill at the bold experiments of modernism, it can often feel like the heyday of experimentation is in the past. The idea of language itself breaking down, of form and function breaking their strained marriage, reached its dizzying peak with words, works like Finnegan's Wake and other Joyce books. Wolves to the Lighthouse and others continue to exhilarate readers because 80 years later they're still dazzlingly transgressive, defying all convention, even the conventions they seem to have established. But almost immediately following such heady experiments in fiction, experimental fiction itself seemed endangered. Where could writers possibly go from here? What new frontiers were left to explore? The work of defying convention seemed exhausted at times. The duty of pushing literature forward was left to postmodernists, whose writing still seems disturbingly clinical and sterile to me at times, divorced from emotion. Consider Pynchon's The Crying of Lot 49, with its dark conspiracies, its twisted, phantasmagoric cityscapes, and its utterly flat, two-dimensional characters. Pynchon's world seems utterly worn out to me, without the joyous unraveling of language that experimental modernists offered. The internet has given experimental fiction a second chance to thrill readers, or at least to introduce itself, to give a shake of the hand. Magazines like Pank are producing regularly surprising work that plays with reality, with conventions, with mythology. But I'm still looking for that utter breakdown in form, that breakdown that also stays wedded to emotion. So it was with great excitement that I cracked open a recent Bailey's Women's Fiction Prize winner, formerly the Orange Prize, and discovered Imar McBride's A Girl is a Half-Formed Thing. McBride writes with a spitting, percussive rhythm, tossing out hard, brutal fragments and half-sentences. The writing could be mistaken for a Hemingway story at first, except for the fact that nothing seems to quite make sense. Reading the novel feels early on like you are reading the mind of a person who has had some sort of a stroke or similar neurological event. The words are words, but the sentences have lost their syntax, their inner grammatical clockwork. The rules of this goes here and that goes there have been completely, deliriously, exhilaratingly thrown out the window. What makes this highly fragmented style of work are are two key features of the book. First, its characters include a sister and a brother, who has sustained severe brain damage due to a childhood brain tumor. In their close relationship, the sister often mirrors her brother or empathetically embodies his thought process. They are attached at the hip even when they fight and push each other away. 
The pain and confusion he feels becomes a kind of food that the sister eats. The broken way he perceives the world becomes the only lens through which she can look. Second, this painfully broken-down language seems to work because of its intense emotional connection to its characters. Our narrator is deeply bonded to her brother, but they also share woundedness and trauma. Each character's view of the world has been stunted or corrupted in some way, and we can see that in the halting, frantic stream of disjointed language. In this case, language and voice is emotion, is, a, is mood, is feeling. The experiment has become the experience. Although a girl is a half-formed thing is a steep upward climb for readers, it's also a thrilling roller coaster ride. That's the trade-off we can get from the best experimental fiction, a little more effort for a tremendous emotional payoff. So this week, I'm daring you to think about getting a little bit more experimental with your writing. If there's some deep feeling and emotional experience that your character is going through in your story, Think about letting the language reflect that intensity of feeling. If we write too properly, too prettily to describe an experience of horror or trauma or just breakdown in one way or another, then we won't really be accurately reflecting that experience. So try breaking things down. Throw the grammar out the window. Focus in on the image or the verb or whatever is grabbing your character's experience of the world. Thanks for listening. The Writerly Bites podcast will be back with micro tips to make your writing better. It's produced by me, Blair Hurley. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and visit the website at writerlybites.com. Email me at writerlybitespodcast at gmail.com with your favorite tips or questions about the writing life, which I'd love to tackle in future episodes.